This is the flight director beginning launch status check. CLCDR checking all stations are man and system is ready. Give me a go, no go. Talker? Roger, FSC? That is a go. Capcom? Oh, get- navigation? Uh, navigation? Oh, uh, uh. You don't, don't worry about guidance, uh, we're just gonna. Wait, 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 what? Here we go. What? 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 Welcome back to Space Castle, your clubhouse and ours for all things nerdy. My name is Seth. I'm Alex. I'm DT. Okay, guys, look, I'm getting fat. Uh, and nah, my fuck, doc- not for where I'm sitting. P-H-A-T. <laughs> my doctor says I need to get in shape. However, I am, I don't know, a goldfish, I think, because I cannot bring myself to go to the gym because I get so fucking unbelievably bored. I just can't stand it. Hmm. Seth, I feel like your Patronus is not a goldfish. It's got to be something else. <laughs> Maybe my Patronus is cool, but like my brain is not. <laughs> it's a, it's an accounting intern named Craig. Yeah, yeah, we did, yeah we we've gone over, over this before. Yeah, that's right, we figured it out. <laughs> so who is this bullshit doctor and how hard should I slap him? Uh, you could try. He's a good doctor. Was, hold on. Was this WebMD? <laughs> <laughs> no, clearly because it just the doctor just said I was getting fat and not dying from three different types of cancer. Was it Dr. Dre? He gonna catch these hands either way. <laughs> anyway, we have a topic at hand, and Seth, you, you, we were trying to intro it, and we kept interrupting you with terrible jokes. What would you like to talk about today, sir? I would like to talk about how to get in shape, but for nerds, because uh, I need to be stimulated mentally when I'm getting in shape. And I have a lot of strategies for this, um, but I'd like to talk to you guys. Alex, I know Alex stays in shape. DT's a smart dude. Like, it, we, We'll figure something out, right? Like... I don't think DT goes to the gym every day like Alex does, but... Um... I feel fucking seen. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> and it's true. I it's don't... true. Yeah, I need to get in shape, too. I used to be 155 pounds and svelte and, like, running, like, two 5Ks every week. Like, no fucking joke. No exaggeration. Uh, I live in an absolutely beautiful state with relatively good climate most of the year. It's really snowy right now. But I need some ways to start getting back in shape right now while it's snowy. So that ball will already be rolling when the weather's amazing and I can get back to my jogging and my long walks. So this is a great fucking topic. Let's go. My input is that sometimes you're, you're like um, conditioned from early on to just condition yourself. It was part of my lifestyle. It was my life for like many, many years, honestly, until I went to college. And the, the hardest transition for me in college and keeping up with that was alcohol, trying to, well, that and trying to put together um, well, yeah, I mean, shitty domestic beer and then, and then like <laughs> trying to put together the, um, mental routine of like going back to the gym. Thankfully I had a lot of people around me who were like also into it and would go to the gym with me, but that, that was a, the hardest part is routine. I think from like the nerdy perspective and from people who are like generally living a sedentary lifestyle or, you know, like all of us sitting behind a computer screen all day, it's. It's just setting aside the time, mm-hmm. but there's also the hurdle of like, do you know what you're doing when you go? Because it's obviously beneficial to get out, go on a walk. It's obviously beneficial to just go to the gym and pick up some heavy shit and put it back down. But you can be a lot more effective with your time 
if you know what you're trying to do. So I think education is a big, big part of that. Okay. Let's say you're educated. Let's say you know relatively what to do. What if you're like me and Seth, where you get bored with going to the gym and just doing the repetition? How do you trick yourself as a nerd who likes doing nerdy things into exercising while enjoying yourself? Okay. So nerds will maybe respond to this more, but like you're biologically programmed to respond to different stimuli, right? Yeah, I am. Take that and run with it for a second. Physically speaking, there are things like pre-workout. There are things like thermogenics. There are things like caffeine, generally. You know, people use that in in place as a substitute for pre-workout. And bodybuilders do that. And it's helpful to just get your body going because you need to have more energy when you go to the gym. And then you're going to have the afterburn. You're going to have the um, sort of caloric deficit will come in later when your body is still metabolizing when generally you'd be just sitting and doing nothing. So you have that, you have the biological way. I think what you're getting at with your question though is the more of the core of that is like the the mental aspect. Sure. And I think it's different for every person. Like I can tell you guys what for for me what works. Like I go to the gym and I do what I normally do when I'm doing like routine tasks that, you know, I need to take care of. Sometimes I listen to audiobooks and other times I'm listening to hype music, like full on hype music, whatever gets the blood flowing. So usually it's like hard rock or ABBA. Me- metal or <laughs> ABBA or <laughs> or uh, rap music. Like it really, it kind of depends on the day. But for me, it's it's generally like whatever gets the, the blood flowing that, that like whatever the hype music is that makes you just kind of like a little jumpy. That's what that's what helps me. I don't know. Okay, let's throw out some examples of things people can be doing to be physical as a nerd. I think Seth is probably going to suggest this one. If I'm just going to jump in front of him right now. VR is a very physical activity. You can get your heart pumping. You could be doing the boxing games on Oculus. You could be playing Beat Saber where you're moving different muscle groups. You're getting your heart rate up. You might even break a sweat. You could be doing that for a while until the battery dies and you're getting not like a, like a strength endurance or like weight resistance workout but you're still getting physical and that's a good gateway towards becoming more physical and waking up those muscle groups in your body and and you know finding a way to you know work out more right that's actually why i bought vr in the first place there you go yeah it's good cardio but more importantly like it it gives my brain something to do like I've, i've always been the type that needs to have a hobby or do a thing that happens to also get me into shape which is where most of my hobbies came from back before I was a developer uh, and started sitting on my ass for a living. Part of that is finding time, sure. But for me, going to the gym in the morning, whatever, is not feasible from my work schedule. It's not feasible for my brain. Like, I just don't want to do it. I don't care. I have zero desire to, like, be in a gym. So I have to find other ways to get in shape. Part of that is VR. Something like Beat Saber is great for some cardio. There's even great workout, like apps there good yoga stuff like that but and since i i figured that dt was going to talk about vr i want to talk about rock climbing okay rock climbing might be the nerdiest sport in existence except for battle math golf (laughs) no golf no golf isn't that nerdy what about shuttlecock uh you mean badminton yes (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> same same badminton uses a shuttlecock <laughs> as part of it 
<laughs> okay, so rock climbing though, it's it's as nerdy as you make it to be. So of course for Seth it's like the nerdiest sport. I disagree. Big surprise. I disagree with a lot of stuff. I think that the rock climbing it's not like not nerdy, right? If you just want to go and like hulk out and climb a ladder, that's fine. Rock climbing can ad- accommodate that. But uh, rock climbing did accommodate that for me. <laughs> right. But but rock climbing proper is about puzzle solving. That was Seth's biggest dunk on me in our podcast so far. <laughs> I was like, right, that's what I want to do. He's like, yep, obviously that's what you were doing. We rock climb together. Because <laughs> we used to climb together fairly frequently, and that is not at all how you approached climbing. <laughs> so yeah, you may have well. felt like you were doing that, but that's not, that not what we talked about and not how you actually did it. Look, if anybody ever describes me as hulking out on something, I'm going to take that and run with it because <laughs> that sounds pretty cool. Yeah. I see that as an absolute win. Yeah, exactly. And there's there's plenty of room for that, right? But but rock climbing is about puzzle solving. That's kind of the core of it. Climbing is kind of like figuring out how to solve a puzzle with your body. So like it's it's very physical and demands quite a lot of dexterity and um, slow muscle strength and things like that. But you're using your strength as a means to an end of solving this problem. I used to manage rock gym for a number of years, and I would say by a wide margin, the biggest demographic that would come in were software developers. There's something about climbing that software developers or software engineers rather gravitate towards. And I think it's the problem solving. We had a number of pilots. We had a large number of doctors. Like it's very much a, a, a thinking sport, which is weird to say, and not to like discriminate against people that just don't want, don't think about it that way, but it really, really rewards thinking, right? Yeah, you have to slow play it. Yeah, yeah, you have to really like figure out how to how to connect these moves and and how to contort my body this way and like how do I actually like move my center of gravity so that I can hang on to this one hold or or whatever. It's very much a problem to solve. And everybody likes to talk when they think about climbing a free solo because uh, it's the like one of the most widely known documentaries in the last probably decade for good reason it's excellent yeah i mean rock climbing is a sport you can actually describe as meditative Mm -hmm. that you can't really do that for many others like i played football for most of my young life and you you certainly could not describe football as meditative Mm, no (laughs) it's not that basketball same thing baseball maybe not really can't do it like all your traditional sports you can't but but climbing you, you certainly can most of climbing is not generally fast pace or intense, whereas like a lot of other sports, that's kind of the linchpin is, is the action, is being quick, being intense, being strong. Climbing has its intense moments, but as a whole, it is not an intense sport. It's not fast paced. It really is a, a, a thinking man's sport. And I really am trying to find other things like that. Because that's what my brain needs. I, I need something like that where I need something for my brain to work on that consequently gets me into shape. VR is okay at it. Um, and it's a lot easier to do in a pandemic, I'll tell you that. And I'm having a hard time carving out time to go get back into rock climbing now that I've been out of the game for, I don't know, four years or whatever. Climbing, I think, is a, is a really good sport for nerds to jump into because regardless of your body makeup 
Like I, I, I came in and I, I probably weigh about like 60 to 70 pounds heavier than Seth. Uh, or at least I did when we were climbing together a while ago and I was struggling, you know, and there are people 60 to 70 pounds heavier than me that kicked my ass at climbing. And I'm, I'm a proud athletic person. <laughs> like I, 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 I'm like, I'm going to get to the top of this damn wall if it kills me. I don't care if I have to like scrabble up it and run it up, run up it like a, like a cat being chased by a dog. I'm going to get to the <laughs> top of this damn wall. It's just a mental game. Like it's a different thing. It's, it's meditative. You, you have to be able to do that. And I think it, it's slower. And because of that, you can jump into it. Yeah. It rewards any skill level too. You don't need to be an expert at it. If it's your very first day, you'll get excellent shit out of it as well as if you've been doing it for 15 years. Like it is a very like broad spectrum sport. So the barrier to entry is very low. You don't need to be on a team. You don't need to train for years. You don't need to like sign up for some competition or join a dojo or anything like it's very low bar barrier to entry, which is great. Obligatory name of the wind reference. <laughs> At Wise Man's Fair, there's a game called Tack where they're, the object of the game is not to like win, but to play a beautiful game. And that's what climbing kind of reminds me of. Like I, I remember I, one of the first times I tried to climb as a, like an exercise routine was with a, a friend of mine who was like pretty much pro. He was getting sponsored for climbing. And he was like, you climb like a, like a brute, like you have manly climb. You, 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 you try to muscle your way through a thing. Yeah. And at the end of the day, like I get to the end, uh, to the top of it, but I fall off on some of the more delicate climbs. And he's like, I climb very, he's like, I, I climb very, my, my climb is very feminine and it's very delicate and it's very, uh, routine. And he kicked my ass. Like I couldn't, there, there are, uh, routes that I wouldn't even try to think about an approach that he could do. And I think for that reason, it's a sport that nerds can certainly jump in on. Yeah, it, it definitely satisfies. I miss it quite a bit. Half the time I would spend climbing would be not climbing. I'd just be standing there like looking at a problem, visualizing it, like mentally going through it and trying to figure out what will work. And then when my shift was over, I'd hop out there and, and give what I'd been thinking about all day a try and see if it actually did work the way I thought it would or whatever. It's great. It's a really good mental exercise as well as a physical one. So I need to get back. Did you approach golf the same way? What other sports use mental games the same way? I actually do not approach golf the same way. And the reason I, I jumped on DT's comment earlier is like golf and, and climbing share very little of the mental game for me. I played a lot of golf as well, which is kind of weird that you pointed it out as like a second one. Because that's like the only other sport that I ever really played. I played like soccer for a while. And then in high school, I was like on the golf team and stuff. For me, it's very different. It's much closer to something like billiards, right? Where it's like a lot of lining up a shot and figuring out kind of a geometry of the thing and not like puzzle solving, more like geometry, which is great. And also with a Think Man Games, but they don't overlap at all for me. I'm taking us off on a tangent talking about sports when in reality, exercise was our ultimate goal here. But Sports are great exercise. And that is like, you know, your initial avenue into exercise. Well, absolutely. Yeah. Like I could talk about it for days and days. I know it's not deep space, but one resource that I found was really interesting. And I think it happened right before the pandemic, maybe a little bit before that, but John Green did a uh, hundred days. Yeah. And I found that web series to be really interesting. Yeah, so I did too. Him and is it Chris Waters? Yes. They did a series together where it was a hundred days and they were just trying to get into shape to, by the end, they were going to do a 5k or a marathon or something like that. Oh, that's right. 
yeah, it was it was really cool. And it's two guys that are just generally not a playing sports, not generally like working out on the regular and um, you know, writers, like people like us who who sit behind the, the computer all the time and um they get trainers and they work on a routine and they talk about every day kind of the difficulties of like trying to put a routine like that in place. Yeah. That was one of my favorite things about that series is like it, it felt very much like like an introduction to it for people like me right it's like it wasn't like things i had seen before where they skip part zero and are at part one with like getting a trainer or whatever like you got to see i am a writer and i want to be in better shape and then like that was part zero so like it, you got to see the steps of getting there or getting to the starting line, which was really, really informative for me. Cause that's where most of my like social anxiety comes from is like getting from zero to one. Go, go watch that for sure. If you haven't, it's good. In terms of getting into shape, the, the hard part isn't like, at least for me, it's not going and starting, you know, lifting things or getting on a treadmill or running or whatever, getting on a bike, whatever your thing is. Like if you're going to go walk around the lake, awesome. Like that's an excellent thing to do for, for me, the, the hard part I think is deprivation, like not allowing yourself to indulge in the pizza, the beer, the booze, the salt, hmm. the sugar. That is a tough thing because junk food is very much sort of synonymous with like the gamer and nerd lifestyle. Like exactly. We're constantly being hounded and hammered with commercials for Mountain Dew and Doritos and shit like that, thinking like. Like like the Joel Cola shit in Hackers too. It's like yeah. somehow all that, that shitty food for you has become synonymous with being like an elite gamer and it's awful. <laughs> Diet is by a wide margin the hardest thing for me to deal with or to change. But the worst part about it is that shit all tastes delicious. Like I enjoy that stuff. You know, it's not like I'm eating it and I don't want to be because I do. I do want to eat Doritos. Right. They're delicious. <laughs> yeah. Ask anybody that like works out for a living and they're, they, they'll they tell you their favorite thing to eat is like a McDouble from McDonald's, right? They That's what they want to eat, but they just don't let themselves eat that. They know that it's going to be a detriment to them. They're going to work it off tomorrow. There are all these like terrible BuzzFeed articles that are like, if you eat one Oreo, you have to run a 5K to make up for it, which is just nonsense. If you eat one M&M, you have to walk the length of a football field. Like, no, it's about calories in versus calories out, not that type of fucking measurements. Like, I don't listen to those things, and and I hope that no people listening to this listen to those things because they they don't know your personal body type, and your personal body type is going to be the the determining factor for what you need to do for exercise, what you need to do for caloric intake, your body is going to determine that. Some people naturally genetically don't need to work out as much as other people in order to maintain a like quote unquote, like healthy physique. Yeah. Which is, you know, great for them, but (laughs) ultimately like (laughs) fuck those people. Right. (laughs) I mean, that's the plan. What? I think it starts with, with simple things. The furthest thing that I wanted to do in this episode is like try to be prescriptive because I think that's a terrible thing to do, especially since I'm not certified in anything. Um, I've just done this uh, workout thing for like a lot of my life. And what I've seen and monitored from this like communal space in terms of like nerds trying to, to work out, like it starts really small. 
there are plenty of people who have like suffered from obesity and like been really sedentary for most of their lives and not had that. And then they start just literally like walking circles in their living room. It can be as straightforward as that. I remember when Pokemon Go first started up, like everybody and their brother was out walking around all the time and it was amazing. And I wish Niantics hadn't fucked that game up and ruined it because so many people were out there getting sunlight and getting activity and, and just doing that repetitive task, but fooling themselves into thinking they were playing like a, well, I mean, they were playing a really fun and engaging video game while they were exercising. We need more shit like that, you know, like stuff like that. Like I've always thought that it would be really cool if somebody took that basic design and they built like an RPG out of it, like a Dungeons and Dragons style RPG using the, the Pokemon Go type stuff where like you're walking around your neighborhood and you're fighting goblins and shit and like landmarks in your neighborhood are now like inns where you can like recoup your hit points or like blacksmiths where you can like buy new gear. You can constantly be like upgrading your character as you're just fucking walking around and like getting exercise in sunlight. For me, I need that type of engagement. Like VR has been a good thing because when I was younger, I was able to do the repetitive tasks a lot. I was in the gym, I was lifting weights, I was jogging, I was running. But it just got to the point where it, like, mentally, I was just done with it. Like, it just shut off for me. We're like, I don't want to run a 5K again this week because I'm just fucking bored. Like, I mean, I was in great shape, but I just got fucking bored with it. But stuff like that, like, shit, like, get your friends together and start, like, a jogging group. And everybody listen to a podcast while you're doing it, preferably Space Castle. <laughs> and then once you're done with your jog or your long walk sit down in a coffee shop and talk about it afterwards. Like find ways to trick yourself into, into entertaining yourself while you're getting the exercise you need. That's, that's for me, that's the trick. And I know that's that way for a lot of people. If getting fit and staying fit was easy, we'd all be fucking doing it. Mm -hmm. One thing that, that sticks with me is that there's this like burden of guilt that comes with a lot of new routines that are put in place. So when you're, you know, you're starting a new workout regime, you know, you're committing every day to go on a walk or a run, you're, you're like doing your new thing. There's this, this thing where if you don't accomplish that, there's this guilt. And I think what would benefit a lot of people is the ability to say like, I'm proud of what I was able to accomplish instead. Take it for instance, I had a roommate right after college, right? So he would train for the Ironman and when he would Go on his runs. It would be progressive. He'd do like a mile, then he'd do three miles, and he'd do five miles, and then he'd do eventually 13 miles. And he hit a point where halfway through, uh, he kind of came to this point where he was like, all right, 13 miles away from our place is Oso Brewery in Arcadia. And he would run 13 miles, stop there, get fried pickles and a beer, drink that, eat the fried pickles, and then run 13 miles back. And then vomit profusely. <laughs> he was doing it for electrolytes because you need to like sustain yourself while doing that. But I bring it up primarily because a lot of people like put in their mind that if they're going to do like a new exercise regime, that it needs to be like Spartan. It needs to be austere. It needs to be like so strict. You got to go from like zero to 60. Otherwise you're not achieving something and that's not true at all. Otherwise, you're not. Yeah, you're not going to get any results, right? You're going to get burnt out how you and, get hurt. and pain too. Exactly. That's how CrossFit yeah. got started. Yeah, you need to build into a point where you enjoy it, not punish yourself and make yourself hate it immediately. Yeah, and it helps to have kind of like a like an end all goal in mind. Hopefully, that's like just your personal well being. the The best shape of my life is probably right before my wedding, and the exercise that I was doing before was 
not nearly as intense as most of the exercise that I had done for my entire like upbringing and, and life up to that point. But I was more invested in it because it was more of like a thing that I was doing for me and for for my wife and like mentally there wasn't the weight there wasn't the pressure and it's it's the most I, I lost like 24 pounds all in like a month and a half it was ridiculous i think the pressure is important because that's that's a really easy way for people to like get like to bounce out of a thing is like they they get pressure or stressed out about it and like that's not helpful it comes down to just approaching exercise in a in a healthy way and not having the burden of of expectation and not putting that on yourself is really what a lot of that comes down to. I want to get a bit more like ways to get in shape, like things that we can try. And this one actually requires a little bit of, of proper equipment and it's VR oriented. I have discovered a couple of things in VR that will allow you to get like a, a stationary bike or get your regular bike and put it up on, on its blocks or whatever and put it on a VR headset and ride a bike through places on earth so you can like go on a bike ride through like london or whatever no shit yeah that awesome. is super fucking rad it's still in the early stages of like development but that's a, a thing that i'm legitimately excited about because that, that's the kind of thing that like i need because like, i i do so much like i'll just pull i'll open up a tab for google maps and i'll just fucking wander around street view in some random city all the time like yes. i love that shit so like if i could do that yeah but while riding my bike through the place in vr like it sounds fucking rad boy how do you am i excited about that i don't go to a street view and like wander around but if you told me that i could walk through london today i could wake up in the morning and go to some garden if i could like start my day by walking over the pyramids in egypt i would be doing that right like that is the benefit of vr i'm i'm hyped for that please yes can please make that happen things like bikes are a way to do that until we have like omnidirectional treadmills do you think we're going to get there we will we'll we'll get there oh yeah there's already options on the market that are functional but not great um, you've got like an actual omnidirectional treadmill being worked on. I think Destin at Smarter Every Day did a video on it three or four years ago. That's all right. It's still getting there. But then there's also one called the Catwalk VR, which is a, a low friction sort of dome shaped pad that you strap into and walk on and you put on like this like friction compound shoe. It's got friction at low effort, but as soon as you apply force, it slips. So you can like walk on this pad sort of it's pretty okay it's obviously not as normal as regular walking but it is close and there's people like thrill seeker that walked all the way across the entire map in skyrim on that device i've said it before and i'll say it again omnidirectional treadmill of some kind that's like functionally equivalent to actually walking will be the turning point in vr 100 percent that is the thing that needs to happen next. We've got sufficient headset technology now and like haptic gloves are great and all, but being able to walk in VR is, is the cornerstone. I am in an, a seemingly never ending pursuit of trying to find ways to trick my brain into getting into shape. If you have ideas, hit me on Twitter at SpaceCastlePod. Let me know if you have ideas for me to try. Or you can also send me links and stuff at SpaceCastlePodcast at gmail.com.
because not only do I want to hear from y'all, I need it. My doctors told me so. You'll be saving this man's life. <laughs> <laughs> Nintendo, bring back the Wii Fit, but make it like the Switch Fit or something, because the Joy-Con shit is okay. That weird little circle thing was all right. Bring back the fucking Wii Fit. That thing was dope as fuck. Yeah. So much so that they made a goddamn character out of it in Super Smash. Like, come on. Mom's Yeah, my mom's using it for rehab. It's a thing. I think the thing is, like, mostly to find what works for you. Earlier in this episode, I talked about how, like, you got to find your workout jam or whatever it is that hypes you up. And the most effective workouts that I've had in my entire life were from listening to the, like, motivational hype speakers and just, like, pumping iron. Those are some of the best workouts I've ever had. It's different for everybody. I've talked to people who are like, I can't listen to somebody talk while I work out. I need to listen to music. I need to listen to like EDM or whatever. And whatever it is for you, that's that's what it is. Like you've got to find out what gets your blood pumping. And then once you've got that, commit to being like this this day, not even this week, whatever, this day I'm going to be active. I'm going to make something happen. Yeah, maybe in a future episode we'll f- brainstorm ways for me to be able to carve out time to do that. Yeah. Well, you're biologically rewarded, right? Your endorphins are going to tell you that you did a good job. Mm-hmm. Like you're going to wake up the next day and be like, I feel like I slept better. And if I, you if you don't feel like you slept better, you're at least going to feel like you have more energy. I've never, ever achieved runner's high in my entire fucking life. Because running sucks. It running fucking <laughs> blows, but I did a lot of it. But I never, ever achieved that endorphin rush from running. It was always like, fuck, okay, now I can go out on, you know, Sunday and have a beer. Like, that was my runner's high. But you know who does have his own way of achieving that high and making himself feel better every week is goddamn Goldblum. Interrupting our conversations as he always do. That motherfucker. We're about to get off on the rails again. <laughs> this one, uh, this one was a good one. This is a good call, Goldblum. So you're defending him, and every week he stops us. Okay, look, I've put enough work into Goldblum that like I feel a little bit of ownership on this one. <laughs> we've got messages from Earth. We've got to get to. Let's tear through those real quick. We'll come right back with Deep Space and our weekly listener question. I guess we're a radio show now. <laughs> It works. No, it, yeah, it works. It, it just sounded like you're about to say on 94.5. <laughs> cool 94.5. You kind of had like a Sega vibe there. Like <laughs> yeah. Sega. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm Kay. And I'm Jay. And we give you the Fuck My Work Life podcast. The weekly podcast where we read your workplace stories to you. Hilarious mishaps. I lost my balance and grabbed the only thing I could to steady myself. I grabbed a teetering stack of about eight sheets of drywall. I hit all of my knees and elbows on the way down. (laughs) All All of them. them. (laughs) Workplace shenanigans. Carl and Ted had super glued all Bob's pencils and pens to his desk. (laughs) Full disclosure, I smoked a lot of weed at that time. Awkward encounters. As he's wandering around the party girl section of a clothing store. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at FMWLPOD. That's FMWLPOD. Email your stories to FMWLPOD at gmail.com 
That's fnwlpod at gmail.com. Those were some wonderful messages from Earth. Uh, thank you very much. Here we go. Uh, why am I thanking them? <laughs> you can thank them. Anyway, what I would love to hear about is we just haven't seen hide or tail of DT for a while, and I think he's been out there in the uh, in the inky blackness, exploring the expanse, as it were. DT, have you been doing some deep, deep space recon? I think you have. I have. It's been difficult. It's hard to find your level, your center of gravity in deep space when my center of gravity is right in the front of my pelvis. <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, I'm actually, uh, I'm going to steal Seth's thunder a little bit because my deep space recon is something I want to share this week that also happens to be a YouTube channel. What the fuck? What? Get, stay in your lane, bro. <laughs> I know, right? It's this awesome YouTube channel I found by this documentary maker called Brett Novak. He's from uh, Lombard, Illinois. And uh, Illinois, wow. I'm a fucking illiterate bastard. <laughs> <laughs> it's a documentary maker who's also something of a pro skateboarder. And he's done all kinds of different sort of documentaries from traveling across the world. But one series he did that's very easily readily available on YouTube is a series he called The Short Skate Films. And if you look at his website and on his YouTube channel, they call this series the main point of Brett's existence. And what he does is he gets together with a bunch of really, really good, talented, mostly flatland trick skateboarders, people like Killian Martin or uh, Isamu Yamamoto, nice. people from all over the world. And he just does these short skate videos. But it's not like the old school like, skate videos you used to see on YouTube with like fucking jackass and stuff like that, or like, like fucking Tony Hawk and whatnot with like the fisheye lenses. And like he illustrates skateboarding in a completely artistic and matter of fact way. So he, he videotapes these skateboarders and they're doing all these amazing flatland tricks, like really fucking intricate, like fucking Rodney Mullen type shit. Nice. And sometimes it's like Samu Yamamoto, who's like, I think, 12 years old living in Japan or something. Or she might have been at the time when they did the video. Or older people, like people his age or our age who are still out there tearing it up. But he presents skateboarding in such an artistic and such a pure and lovely way that it's it's not like a hype video. It's just illustrating the art of skateboard because skateboarding is, and Seth can attest to this, it's a fucking art form. It's like learning to play guitar. Like anybody can, can jump on a guitar or a skateboard and they can learn the basic riffs. You can, you can learn like deep purples, like smoke on the water in an hour. You might learn how to ollie in an hour, but to develop it is an art form and to find your voice, like your own unique voice in that art form when so many people are out there doing it, is something really fucking special. And that's what Brett Novak really captures in his videos. Highly recommend checking out his channel, not just his skate videos, even though that's what I'm illustrating here today and what really drew me into his channel. Everything the guy shoots is absolutely stunningly beautiful. And to what I was saying before, he's found his own voice as a director too. Like it's, he does some really unique shit with some interesting subject matter that's never been shot the way he shoots it. It's very, very cool, very beautiful. Highly, highly recommend it. Love it. I'm the newest subscriber just now, Brett Novak. Fuck yeah, man. Uh, documentarian extraordinaire. Yeah. I mean, even just the thumbnails, you can kind of tell that there's some cinematography going on here that's a higher level. So it sounds like a lot of fun. All you had to say was documentary about skating, and I'm like, I'm, I'm already into it. And I love this kind of shit. You don't get the artful side of skating very often, so I, I enjoy it very much.
you get tons and tons of videos and we have for decades now of kids just like bombing staircases and, you know, tearing up rails and shit, which is great. There's absolutely a place for that. And I fucking love it. I grew up watching that shit. But it's very, very interesting to see that exact type type of stuff filmed from a completely different angle that you may not have ever thought about skateboarding being, you know, captured in that light before. It's really, really cool. I'm a sucker for a documentary anyway. Yep. So me too. <laughs> And I'm a sucker for skate films. There you go, man. Yeah, I knew it'd be right up your alley. Yeah. Documentary and skate films, I know nothing about skating, and Lords of Dogtown is still like an excellent film in my eyes. So. Oh, yeah. That's because, uh, spoiler alert, it is an excellent film. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> uh, and uh, Dogtown and Z-Boys, a documentary by... Peralta? Uh, Stacey Peralta, yeah. He was the one who actually wrote and directed it. And I think he actually adapted that into the screenplay for the movie, too. So, like, he's been tired up as a filmmaker for a number of years now. He's awesome. Yeah, Dogtown and Z-Boys is still, like, I would say probably the definitive historical capturing of that sort of a set of events. Yeah, most widespread skate movie out there. Yeah, It's excellent, honestly. Yeah. I'm the newest subscriber to Brett Novak. Super hyped about checking out those documentaries. Mm-hmm. Do we want to move on to our listener question? I know we have one. Yeah, unless you guys want to just talk about skating for the next uh, three <laughs> or four hours. I mean, I could devote a whole episode to skateboarding. Maybe we will. Totally down for that at some point. Yeah, it's it's one of the few activities I do that's bad for my knees, but I still do it, and I have bad knees. <laughs> yeah, but Lars was kind enough to send in a question. We don't want to leave him hanging. Lars dropped us a doozy. Here you go. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. No. Uh. Well, too bad, DT. Here it comes. I need 17 or 18 minutes to prepare. We'll just cut that 18 minutes out. Does Lightning McQueen have life insurance or car insurance? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Lars, for this moral conundrum. This type of shit is why we started a fucking podcast. That is an awesome question. I love this. I love this question. Because he's a fucking car. Does he have car insurance or does he have life insurance? If he gets like a cracked windshield, I mean, does he go to a garage and is the garage like the equivalent of like the car's like doctor? Yes. Like, okay. Because dude, automotive repair is really fucking expensive, but so is like the medical field. So like either way, this insurance company, this this hypothetical insurance company is just raking in fucking money like they do anyway. So in the cars world, they're they're like hundred and. 200 years ahead of us because they can just replace their appendages if their tire falls off they can just get a new one just slap a new nice one right up on there wham bam but if you're a living car are you paying for life insurance or health insurance or are you paying for car insurance okay seth is gonna break this down the fucking philosopher's got the answer right now let's go i've thought about this now for like 48 seconds (laughs) i think the cars universe would not make the distinction between car insurance and health insurance. Their entire system is an insurance system. There's no rental insurance because nobody owns a home. They just stay in places. No, they have garages, don't they? They have garages, exactly. That's not the same thing. They own businesses and they live there. That, that's not You don't need homeowner's insurance. I think there's one insurance. How does a car own a fucking business? How do they do like the paperwork? How do... I, I don't like cars. <laughs> 
it's not my favorite Pixar movie because the the once you start thinking about this shit, it all just kind of falls apart. You're like, not supposed to think about it, man. You're supposed to just eat your mushroom and walk off. <laughs> how is a car supposed to? How is one car supposed to like repair and work on the intricate workings of a of a, uh, the engine of another car? Like so, how? Let's get into deep Pixar lore real fast. There is the mm, borderline canon theory that the Cars universe takes place in a very, very futuristic Earth after the AI takeover and extermination of humanity. So, like, are we sure it's not a world where all the people who like fuck the tailpipes of their cars have like somehow managed to have children with their cars, <laughs> and they're all like human car hybrids? Yeah, that's how it all started. Okay, cool. It's weird for Pixar, but okay, let's go. <laughs> you need to look deeper into Pixar, my friend. <laughs> yeah, so everything is is post-humanity, which is why like all the landmarks are all car-shaped and shit. So all of the intricacies of day-to-day life, like paperwork, happen virtually via AI, which is what the cars are connected to. The vehicle designs are such that um, the small repair cars that you see in like what's his face's tire shop those little specialized vehicles can do all of the the maintenance repairs they only have one form of insurance and that is just insurance because if you get a cracked windshield it's the same thing as getting like a scratch in your eyeball like there is no card or health insurance it's all just of the body wouldn't that be fucking dope for people though like if if like eye care and like medicare and like dental insurance was all just one fucking thing. Wouldn't it be dope if we just didn't have to pay for extra? Uh, absolutely, that would be dope. Yeah. Seth's answer is my postulation on this was like, yeah, life insurance and car insurance would be the same thing for them. It's just, it's just one thing, which is essentially health insurance. They would have one. That's it. They'd probably just call it like a maintenance policy or something. Yeah, if you anthropomorph, I mean, and that's what Pixar does. You anthropomorphize this entire thing. That's my my favorite take from this is, you know, how everybody's always talking about how Disney movies put in like sexual innuendo in all to all of their movies. And Pixar does this in Cars. And it's one of the most blatant ones that you can find out there because Lightning McQueen wins his first race in the beginning of the thing. And then two cars roll up and they flash him. Yeah. With their with their brights. And it's like, oh, there you go. Yeah, it's pretty funny. And the parents get it, but the kids don't. It's a good joke. Pixar is full of jokes like that. Let's let's talk more about these people who fucked their cars and created the race <laughs> of cars. And do you think when cars came out they were like the equivalent of furries and they're like, oh my god, they finally made a movie for me? I hope not. I think that's probably going to do it for this episode of Space Castle. What does that have to do with furries? Because furries, like, they like to have sex with anthropomorphized animals. And people who like to fuck cars, wouldn't they be, like, super excited about, like, a car that, like, could talk and sounded like Owen Wilson? Are you trying to imply that furries are excited as fuck about, like, Airbud and stuff? Well, Airbud doesn't talk. And now that's going to do it for this episode of Space Castle. As always, City Shirt Clubhouse and hours for all things nerdy. My name is DT. I'm Redwine Alex, part time librarian, all tough dong hammer, <laughs> master and commander.
Nazarene Commander, thank you. I tried to give you space for it. I'm still Seth. As always, we want to thank our good friend Brian Lovett for his help in co-writing our theme song, D's Notes. We've got a Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash spacecastlepod and join our Galactonaut crew. We're doing all kinds of rad shit there. You also get a bunch of rad shit like stickers. We got pogs coming on the... We might Hey-o. do something fun with the pogs on our Patreon there. We'll see what happens. I'm custom making slammers. There you go, man. We're going full on fucking 90s. It's going to be fantastic. You also get to pitch in and help choose our topics once a month. And you get early access to Real Drunk, our series which just launched, wherein we watch a classic movie, we create a drinking game for that movie, we play that drinking game, we get fucking drunk, and then we try and re- review the movie after the fact. Try really hard. I think I do a great job, but I'm also usually far drunker than you guys are. Yeah, you're hitting whiskey while we're hitting beer. I may have to try the whiskey. I cannot recommend it enough. Not only do, does my belly not feel shit because it's not so full, but also like it's just easier to deal with. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please leave a review on the podcast you happen to be listening to us on. And I think that's it. We'll catch you next week. Don't fuck any cars. (laughs) Do start working out, though. Bye. Love you. Don't fuck any cars.